Well, in 1998, she was named the ACM's top new female vocalist. And you better believe she lived up to the hype. Tonight's guest in the Honky Tonk Time Machine, none other than Jody Messina. Jody, thanks so much for coming on the show. Sure, thanks for having me. And over the next 15 minutes or so, we're going to try to get to know Jody. We'll talk about all the biggest hits and what she's been up to lately. <laughs> I guess, uh, first off, Jody, uh, I kind of want to go back to the beginning. You kind of jumped on the scene there in the mid to late 90s. I know you were born in Massachusetts, but fill in the gaps in between. How'd you, how'd you get started? What made you want to do it? <laughs> oh, boy, that's a long story. Um, <laughs> I started singing when I was about 13. I was playing out in a club, kind of like restaurants that had a stage. And so my mom would take me out to play, and I knew that I wanted to sing. I loved to sing. I always sang professionally. Um, started doing it professionally when I was 13. I was in a band with my brother and my sister. And then we hired a guitar player, and I played through high school. And then after we graduated and everybody else went off to college, I decided to move to Nashville and try to get a record deal. So growing up outside of Boston, you know, how prevalent was country music in your youth? Was it something that you listened to quite often? I was exposed to all kinds of music. Um, and so, and I still listen to all kinds of music. But uh, the stuff that, that I chose to sing and perform was strictly country. And then as I, you know, became older, once I became older, like, you know, when I was 14, <laughs> um, I decided... You know, that was really what I loved, because country music talked about my life and what I was going through, and, you know, a teenage girl, and, oh my gosh, someone else understands the way I feel, and, you know, so I gravitated towards that, and that's kind of why I chose country as a format. All right, so that being said, who did you enjoy listening to the most as you were growing up? Oh gosh, when I was little, it was um, Reba McIntyre and The Judge in Alabama, and Hank Williams Jr. <laughs> All those guys are out when I was little. Now, where does Dottie West fall in there? Because when 1999 rolled around, you decided to cover her number one song, Lesson and Leaving, and you did well with it. Well, you know, she was out um, before. Uh, she was out before then, and but that song was brought back in a, in a story about her life. And Tim McGraw and I um, had both seen it, not together, but at the same time, we watched it at our houses and. We were in the studio at the time, and he's like, man, you know, did you see that Dottie West story? And I said, yeah. And he's like, that song, Lesson Leaving, that sounds like you. And so we went back and listened to it, and I was like, yeah, yeah, it does, <laughs> actually. <laughs> and so that's how we decided on cutting that one. It's funny, because when I heard it at the time, I was probably a, a, a young teenager. I didn't even know that Dottie West had recorded first. I thought that was a Jody Messina song, and I thought the same thing. I was like, yeah, that's that's Jody Messina. So it wasn't until later that I found out that Dottie did it first. <laughs> I know. Well, I wasn't around when she did it, but, um, but you know, that, that her life story really brought that back to being current, and I was just like, yeah, that's cool, man. Let's do it. So you make it to Nashville, and your your first single, Heads Carolina, Tales California. It does so well for you. ends up being a huge hit, and, and you have arrived. What was that time like when uh, when you had a song out on country radio for the first time? It was surreal um, because I had always listened to country radio, and other people were on it. To be played on radio was like the pinnacle of my lifelong dream, you know what I mean? So it was real, it was surreal. And then I don't think as an artist in that point in your career, you ever think you made it. You get to play in the game and then you keep trying to stay in the game and stay in the game at that point in my life. Now looking back at that, 
um, I think it was hard to grasp because life itself was moving so fast at that point. By the time your first single comes out, you're already, like, touring in the midst of radio tours, interviews, uh, appearances, autograph sessions, you know what I mean? And, and it's chaotic, and I almost wish you could slow down the clock. Yeah, so you have time to appreciate it. You know what I mean? It was, you never got a moment to be, you never got to be in that moment. You were always looking ahead. What's the next single? What's the next record? What are we going to record? Where are we going to put this one? When are we going to release it? Sure, and things are going so fast, in fact, that you had a pretty prominent artist actually want to cover that song right away. I understand Garth Brooks was interested in covering it. <laughs> I was like, no! No one will ever remember I recorded it if he records it! <laughs> <laughs> I was devastated. Oh, goofy kid I was. But um, anyway... In the kindness of his heart, he didn't let it go at that point in time. He <laughs> let me have it. was my only, like, single. And so I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, my career will be over because no one will ever remember. I recorded it and God records it. You see, I didn't realize that the way the article read, I thought it was later in your career. So, yeah, I mean, that's your only single out on the radio and Garth wants to cut it. I mean, I get it. It was the only, like, hit song I had at, the point, at that point. And oh. so I was like, oh, no. How am I going to tour or whatever? Because I won't, people will forget that I recorded this song. So, anyway. Well, I can definitely see where you're coming from then. <laughs> well, he's a good man. He's a good man. He gave me some grace at that point. <laughs> he always gives me grace, actually, when I see him. So, he's a good man. Yes, he is. Anybody who ever talks to me about Garth always has nothing but good things to say about him. Uh, next, I want to talk about your follow-up single, which may surprise you to know is actually my favorite song of yours. Oh, golly. Just Like Heads, Carolina Tales, California, You're Not in Kansas Anymore. It comes out in 1996. Where does that one rank for you? I, You know, <laughs> I forget about that song from time to time. Um, I think we had such a run with Heads, Carolina, when You're Not in Kansas, I'm like, you know, people start poking fun at me, like, oh, she sings about all the states, and I'm like, you know, oh, they think I'm a geography major, or... <laughs> You know, so again, but it all moves so fast at that point. Yeah, so that comes out right in your little whirlwind phase there where you're still trying to catch your breath. But unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, you did get a chance to catch your breath after that because 1997 wasn't as successful for you. You had a couple of songs out on radio, but they didn't do a lot. And it may have actually been the best thing for you because you regrouped and put out three straight number one singles and set a record as the first female with three straight multi-week number one hits but that felt pretty good yeah you know again still working still working hard and the, the, the still on the wheel and trying to keep things moving and during that quiet time it was frustrating because you know you're you're having people are making decisions musical decisions that are not musical people not all of them are and so they would like that there was a lot of chokes in in my career because it'd be individuals fighting over what they hit single. That's not a hit single. This one is. No, that's not. This is. That's not. So we didn't pick. That was left up to a staff. So to make a record for me was brutal because the song had to get through like 12 people and, you know, everybody had an opinion and everybody wanted to be the one that picked that song. And so it took forever to just put a record together. Two of those three songs that I mentioned were actually written or co-written by Phil Vassar. Yeah, thank heaven for Phil. I'm all right and bye-bye. Bye-bye was a song. I, I just saw him a couple months ago, and he's like, I've never heard that as a, as a song for a girl. Huh. 
He's like, I could never imagine that. And he tells that story, too. He's like, that's not a, that's not a song for a female. And, of course, now he, people are like, I didn't know a guy could sing that song. <laughs> but um, original line is, the, the first line of the song, Girl, you sure look pretty there, standing in the door in the sunset light. And uh, we changed it to, boy, you sure look good there, standing in the doorway. So it was that one, and then there was I'm All Right, which Phil did not have a record deal at the time. And he kept saying he was going to save it for when he got a record deal. And I was like, dude, you don't have a deal, and I love the song. Can we just record it, release it, and blah, blah, blah. And it, that took some conning. I, <laughs> I conned him, and I bugged him ruthlessly for that song. And he let up. He gave it to you, huh? <laughs> he did. He did. And here it is years later. We're still dear friends. That's great to hear. And then... Stand Beside Me is the third of that group, and um, I just wanted to hear you talk about that one, too, because that's another one of my favorites of yours. That was the one that was, I think it was on hold for Faith, and then she let it go or something like that, and then they let me have it, or I don't know. There was a story behind that. It's so long ago. It's all foggy. But uh, anyways, but that was a great song, and it was written by a man.